Oh, sick. Okay. Uh, welcome to Seeing It This Way. guest for you who didn't listen to any of the other podcasts like an <laughs> asshole so I'm kind of mad um this is a good start but um <laughs> okay this is a great <laughs> so you have heard his twin brother talk about fallout boy hopefully all um, 10 of you have heard it so all 10 of you it's gotten like 40 something anyway and um this is Alex Janice and today we're going to talk about um Jawbreaker and the album Dear You so not even the uh Maybe not the typical choice. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Jamie, for having me on. I'm extremely excited to be here. Uh, this is a great way to start a holiday weekend. Uh, reviewing a it's almost 4th of July. Fantastic uh, piece of music. So uh, I appreciate you having me here and, uh, you know, being here in the, green, in the greenhouse and cardboard cutouts. I appreciate it all. <laughs> Out of so. context, that's whatever. Um, I have One Direction cardboard cutouts in my living room is what he's saying. Um, okay, I gave so you the avenue. I gave you a way. You did. I know. Project. I know. Yeah. I actually there is actually a song on this album that I was reminded me of One Direction fan fiction I just read. I wasn't going to talk about it, but wow. you just gave me that opening. So maybe that band has their own fan fiction. Dude, let's not. Even, okay. Wow. Oh, I mean that's there's cool. like okay. millions of stories. Anyway, um, yeah. So introduce yourself. Like you can plug your band. Say whatever you want to oh, say. Oh, plugging. Yeah. Um, uh, I get plugged a lot. Um, I uh, play in a musical act called Little American Champ along with my brother. Um, and actually, you know, funny enough how I, uh, I always knew about Jawbreaker, but I was introduced to them more when um, Tony, our friend Tony from Savior Generation Records, asked us to be on a Jawbreaker comp. And uh, in the email, he's like, this is going to be so great. And you're playing with all these rad bands. And even though at the time I didn't know the band, I was like, this is so great. Thank you so much, Tony. So um, that actually forced me to sit down and actually listen to Jawbreaker. And I still didn't like it, even after recording the song and going through the motions. And it was only about uh, probably like a month or two after we actually recorded our cover of Chemistry that uh, I started listening more to the band. And uh, then I surprised myself how much I liked it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's getting into it. We just got into it already. Um, in there. But we're going we're to take a step back and start with, um, Alex, how do you define emo? Oh, yeah, okay. These are one of the general questions. So how <laughs> I define emo was, uh, th- this is always the first thing that kind of comes to my mind, was kind of a shift in the, uh, the attitude that was kind of projected in punk music, let's say, more to use another obscure genre term um i think that uh, especially the uh the evolution of punk um started in the late 70s going into the 80s and i think it was always predominantly masculine and like the kind of it was there's was a lot of machismo and mm-hmm. it's big tough guy culture and um and i think it wasn't until um uh you know the end of the 80s going into the 90s when, uh, like the especially the lyrical content and the uh, the melodies um, got a little bit softer uh, for a lot of punk bands and stuff, and there are of course deviations like all across the spectrum, but um, it kind of seems like there was like a market shift with bands like Jawbreaker, like the Get Up Kids, 
where the lyrical content was more introspective. I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. introspective. So, yeah. Uh, Good word. Um, than uh, what a lot of the stuff prior beforehand was. And it was being uh, opening yourself up and being like emotionally vulnerable in terms of like, you know, your lyrics and what you're putting out there. And uh, for me, when that shift happened in the late 80s going into the 90s, um, that to me uh, kind of defined emo. Yeah, good answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and I will say, okay, so I think this is actually the first podcast thinking back um, okay, so I used to play the emo game a lot when I was in early high school. Did you ever play that game? I have no idea. What Wait, that really? Game is. Holy yeah, fuck, dude! I do not okay, know. the emo game. Everyone, look it up. It was like this game, and there was all these like characters, and you had to like someone was kidnapped, and you had to like fight all these posers and all these like random people to like ki- find this kidnapped person. Was it sound like the computer? Yeah, or it was, it's it? a website. Oh, it's, oh. Like, it's still you can still play it. You can still play it. Oh, okay, but I will say so. Like the the characters, it was like someone from the Get Up Kids, someone from like Texas is the Reason, someone from. So Blake Schwarzenbach from Jawbreaker, yeah. he was a character in the emo game, so I will say. Oh, really? You also have, they also have to, at some point, like kick the shit out of Chris Caraba, I think. <laughs> but, oh. So, shout out to, this is the first podcast where a character in the emo game. Yeah. We're going to talk about him. Yeah, so that's yeah, like a yeah, yeah. Moment. Maybe you'll get a little banner ad now on the site. <laughs> yeah. you know, with, uh, Copyright. Mentioning The them. emo game. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a little homophobic, FYI, the emo game. Oh, really? Unsurprisingly. Oh, my, yeah. That's, no, that's... Unsur- unsurprisingly. Oh, I mean, well, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Um, we'll actually talk a little, I actually do want to talk a little bit about sort of emo as like an alternative masculinity, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I wanted to say that shout out really quickly. Um, so yeah, so now we can get into, I guess, Jawbreaker, which Alex talked about a little bit. Um, but I will say that I has never been into Jawbreaker. Um, I don't know why. It just wasn't a band that ever like immediately spoke to me. It's like one of those things where it's like a forefather of emo. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, Sunny Day Real Estate, like, blah, 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 Jawbreaker, right. Promise Ring. And I love all those other bands, but for mm-hmm. some reason, Jawbreaker just wasn't one that I, like, latched onto. Yeah. Like, I like I, I like 24-Hour Revenge Therapy, which we'll probably talk about in another podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, Boxcar, I heard that, and I was like, yeah, this is a good song. Like, and yeah, I like that album. no-brainer good song. Right, like, no-brainer, very catchy, like, a good song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't feel strongly about it. But I know a lot of people do. It's very much just like a like, a lot of dudes are, like, very into Jawbreaker, right? That's, like, <laughs> such a thing. It's, like, a dude band. It's the dudes. It's, like, yeah, a dude it's band. The dudes, um, yeah. And Blake is a very strong, like, personality um, in the scene, I guess. So, yeah. So this is actually the first podcast where I don't know the album super well. And I don't... It's not that I don't care about it. No, I'll just say it. I don't care that much about it. Um, but <laughs> such I mean, free spirit, darling. Oh my god! So get wonderful. off the table, darling. Yeah, yeah, get off the table. Such a free spirit. Um, wow, we just did a family guy. Right? I know. It's yeah. embarrassing. Such bad references. This has gone off the rails. God, already. I regret this already. Yeah. I'm not going to cut that out though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've been listening to it recently, like in the past month. Um, and some of the songs have stood out to me, and I think lyrically, it's a really great album. So. I'm going to talk about songs that I immediately um, felt connected to, but I don't care about this album in the same way I care about <laughs> the other albums that I have talked about. So this is mostly going to be an Alex-centric podcast, cool. and yeah. I apologize for that, because he's annoying. Well, so. I'll just phrase it as you're welcome, um, that this will be a nice break from uh, the typical rants that you're used to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, it should go over well, though. Um, you haven't listened to a podcast. You don't know anything. I'm not a I, I will say, Jamie, that I, I share your notion of the band kind of being unremarkable to me as well for 
uh, most of the time until I was, as I said earlier, introduced to it through an email uh, once again. But um, I, it was one of those bands that once I actually just sat down and listened to a whole album and took some time with it, that I really enjoyed it. And I'll, I'll also say that um, I still think, even now calling myself a Jailbreaker fan, that first few albums, kind of just average, kind of forgettable. But then uh, I think like 24 Hour Revenge Therapy, and especially going into Dear You, those last two albums were their best albums, and especially Dear You. And I know like I'm, people are going to like hate on me, yeah. like the 11 people are going to hate on me right now, but um, <laughs> I do so think that sad. Dear You <laughs> Such an was the, the uh, <laughs> or is Jawbreaker's uh, best album. Yeah, that is a controversial. Yeah, that's statement. that's really. I'm opening myself up to it. Bring it on. Yeah. yeah. Also, FYI, nerd alert. He's wearing a Jawbreaker shirt right now. Yeah, I really wanted to be like home team guy. Like I was going so that's to a football really embarrassing. game. So it's I, very embarrassing. I uh, I put this on. So if you can embarrass Jamie, you, you, that's a good start to a holiday weekend. No, 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 no. I have One Direction cardboard cutouts literally next to me. I'm, okay, it's hard. Okay. It's hard to embarrass me. It's fine. But you're embarrassed next to being next to. No, I think it's. A, I'm not embarrassed, but I think it's embarrassing. I think it's... Oh, okay. There's a difference. There's okay, a difference. yeah. Well, embarrassing to who? who you the, should the universe, be embarrassed, the universe, but I... The universe is indifferent <laughs> and doesn't feel embarrassed. The universe... So, neither do I. Yeah. You are nothing in this... Yeah. In the universe. That's true. Um, okay. I'm glad we covered all those topics already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I will say also... Um, so my good friend, Lior, who did the introduction podcast, he did an oral history of um, Jawbreaker's 24-Hour Revenge Therapy. So he's like my... You know, like resident jawbreaker expert and he told me this story because i was like oh dear you i think that's like a divisive album from what i've heard like it was like right before they broke up they signed to a major label like mm-hmm. blake had um surgery so his voice was less raspy yes. and the band the band like the fans reacted poorly to that like it was a more polished album and people thought that was quote-unquote mm-hmm. less authentic the idea of authenticity in emo i find very interesting and stupid yeah um but yeah, so apparently Lior told me, I think I told you this maybe at some point, Alex, I don't know if you knew of this, but so like when the tour came for Dear You, fans like bought the tickets really quickly, but purposely so they could turn their backs away yeah. from yeah. the band as they played, which is absurd. Like what a weird, like, they, like how can you feel so strongly about a band's older stuff and then just like think that this new album is such a travesty to that you, you that you like, look at, look at, look at them, the player. Like yeah. that's crazy, like Pitchfork, Fine, that's kind of weird. And I love how it's like, Man, this band, they really took a horrible turn. I better go buy a ticket and go to the show. Yeah, like, right? Like, let me financially, let me financially like, support them. I know, yeah. And then, and then shit on them at the show. Yeah, but I'm right. So, like, Pitchfork, the website, gave this album a 2.3 out of 10. That means a lot, clearly. Really? Yeah. Dear you? They, yeah. Oh, man. No, but that, Thank you know, God no one cares about Pitchfork. No, that site, though. They, like, are so, like, yeah. Just yeah, like no, yeah, no one cares. Extreme no, for like, yeah, just yeah, take hate, a yeah, take whatever. a big opinion just because you can't. Yeah. No one cares. Anyway, no, because I think this album, like, I think this album is pretty good. Like, I think it's good. Um, so okay, so we kind of already talked about how we first heard the album. I heard it very recently because Alex was like, "I want to talk about this," and I was like, "All right, I guess I'll listen to it." <laughs> um, and Alex heard it because he did that cover of Chemistry. Um, so okay, now we're gonna get into I guess like song specifics. So Alex has taken notes. He has a very... Yes. I was, a lot of notes. Yeah. Um, you know, John made fun of me as well. He <laughs> saw the notes and he was like, I can't believe you actually took that many notes. But yeah. Well, yeah. It's not that many and I had free time at work. So I... <laughs> Alex so. is a terrible worker. Yeah. So let's say, yeah. I hope no one that I work with is listening... <laughs> Yeah, when you work with Big Jawbreaker fans. Yeah, huge, huge, fans, big, actually. Big fans of my podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah oh, yeah. Obviously. 
Um, okay, so I will say overall, um, also Alex is making, not making fun of me, but was surprised that I was using Audacity as my audio yeah, this equipment. Yeah, this is some old school throwback. software right here. It's good. It's better than GarageBand, I don't care. Um, okay, so we're going to start, as per usual, um, we're going to talk about the songs from beginning to end of the album. Not all of them, but the ones that stand out to us. Um, so we can start with Save Your Generation. Oh, and I was going to say also overall this album... Um, even if the, some of the songs I find musically kind of a little bit boring, um, the lyrics are really, really, mostly excellent. Like, I think he's a really good lyricist. Um, yeah, he is. Very uh, poetic. Yeah, and he was like a creative writing major, I believe, in college or something. And he actually is a uh, like a creative writing, he teaches creative writing courses at some university in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that. I knew yeah, that. yeah, so he's like, he's like a really, and you can tell like he's a really well-read guy and stuff, especially in the way he crafts it mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. in terms of his, like, lyrics and stuff. So he's, uh, I want to take that course with him. I want to be there. <laughs> Go to New York. All right. Okay, so we're going to start with Save Your Generation. I have a present. It is the present. You have to, to learn to find it within you. If you can learn love it, you just might like it. You can live without it. There's a million open windows. I'm passing these open windows. Passing these open windows. There is plenty to criticize. No. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Oh I can just God. go now. Alex I'm going to have to take, take time to get Alex here Alex is upset that we could... Okay. <laughs> I thought that, that the songs were, were going to be a part of the experience. That it was like a later. whole event. Oh my god, I add them okay. later. Do you want me to play it right now and I'll edit it out? Uh, I mean, you can if you want. I mean, I don't want to throw you... This is your podcast. I don't want to tell you what to do. Okay, then I'm not going to do it. I had Just... a prep friends. Okay. Oh um, so, Save Your Generation. Um, for me, uh, it's really interesting because I think there's a lot of stuff going on in the song. And um, especially when I was doing the, uh, when I was reading the lyrics and then kind of looking at some comments on the song, a lot of people contended that it was like basically a song that's like all about suicide. And I don't think it's just about that. Um, I think there is a, um, a, a, uh, a strong optimistic tone, an optimistic overtone that runs throughout the entire thing. Um, because basically, it, I think he's kind of playing with the notion that. Um, every generation thinks of itself as the most maligned and that, the, you know, the most oppressed and the generation in which the previous generation left them, you know, the least amount of potential. Obviously, there are certain people who will think otherwise, but um, it's a very common tone. And I think especially for ever since, like, the uh, – thank you very much, Jamie. I really appreciate that. Jamie brought me an ice cold beer. I like that. And pretty much – Ever since the advent of punk, it's been uh, everybody, like, you know, the whole Sex Pistols thing, which I know I'm cringing to just saying that name, um, but, you know, the whole no concept of no future, uh, I, I think it's kind of embedded in uh, a lot of punk kids is to uh, view themselves and their own generation as marginalized. Uh, but I think that what he's saying throughout this whole song um, is that um, it's easy to be a critic, like as Blake writes, you know, there's plenty to criticize. Uh, it's easy to narrow these eyes. To 
Um, he's talking about fundamentally like an attitude and um, approaching uh, every day as if you can achieve, you know, whatever you wanted to achieve despite whatever circumstances you may be in. I do think there are allusions to uh, to suicide, and I think the song is also saying at the same time that there is still like so much to accomplish, uh, and that you yourself can be the voice of a generation, as many contend that Blake was. Um, but that also, um, you know, there is a, an argument for life. You know, like this song is fundamentally life affirming. Um, and, uh, you know, your leap of faith could be a well-timed smile. Survival nev never goes out of style. You know, I think he is talking about um, suicide because there are basically like, you know, um, notions of suicide throughout the entire album. So um, I do think that there are a few in this song, but that it's fundamentally a, a mission statement um, for everyone and kind of a, uh, dismissal because, and that's why I think he, Blake wanted this song to be the first one is because it is far more optimistic than the rest of the album. And I don't think he wanted everyone to get caught up in just the bad, but that there is something good. There is something to live for. And I think that's part of what the song is about. Just like basically read out an essay. Uh, Sorry. I, you know, I, no, it's no, difficult no. for me to be concise. No, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. I was actually going to say, so I think this song is very positive. I think it's like an uplifting song. Yeah. Um, this song does, there's a lot of allusions to death in this whole album, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, I caught on, caught, you know, on that. Oh my God, what am I saying? Yeah. Caught, so what's you, the phrase? You caught them on Caught that. onto that. Yeah, I caught onto caught that. Caught onto that. There Holy you go. fuck, I think I'm drunk already. Um, yeah, but no, I think this song, it's like, we could sleep in, we could do this, we could do this, but like, you can also not. Like, yeah. learn from your mistakes, you can afford to lose a little face, like, every day be sure you wake. You have to learn, to learn from your mistakes. You cannot afford, to lose a little face. The things you break, some can't be replaced. A simple rule, every day be sure you I think that's like a very cool kind of ending little message for this song. Um, yeah. So it's easy to get caught up in the dark, but like just remember that like mm -hmm. you don't have to, right? So yeah, I totally agree though. I think that's a, it's a really good opening kind of song. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the good like thesis statement for the yeah, album. Pretty much, and you know, like he says, like there's a million open windows. I'm passing these open windows um, before he, and then he goes into what I talked about earlier. There's plenty to criticize. He says that line, but, um, like he's saying, I think when he's saying he's passing these open windows is that he's missed a lot of opportunities. And I think literally everybody can relate to that feeling of like missing an opportunity and thinking back and feeling regret, but also saying like, I think that's another allusion to suicide. Like I'm walking past these open windows that I could jump out of mm -hmm. because, uh, there is something to live for. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, also, also, if you have any, like, stories, like, if you connect them to any memories or stories, you have to memories say Memories or stories. I just got, like, really into this album know, for, like, I the know, past, like, two months, so I, I don't have too many stories, I, but I'll be thinking about the think stories. About it, I'm think thinking about, about, about the or, stories. Or you can, like, connect it back to past stuff that you now can see is related. <laughs> um, okay. 
This is this is a new this is a new thing in our podcast. Yeah, because we have we're really shooting recent, off the hip for this. We are, yeah, because we are. This is a recent album listen, so it's interesting as mid twenty somethings to hear it. I know. Yeah, we're like so late to the, the party. Time. Yeah. Also, I just have to say the first line is "I have a present." It is the present, hmm. and all I'm going to say about that is that's a little bit Kanye esque. Where Kanye's line, my presence is a present. My presence is a present, kiss my ass. Oh, Kanye I ripped wonder, him off. Then. I wonder if Kanye ripped off Blake Short's yeah, about Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God Kanye's, damn. I mean, Kanye's pretty emo, so I get it. That's chill. Yeah, I, I do not know enough about Kanye to comment, but Swish. I know he writes about that a lot on his Twitter, so I'm pro Swishing. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, no, I really, I I like this song. Oh, apparently, all the the. The comments on song metering about how Fall Out Boy because apparently did a cover of it and everyone's back. Oh yeah, and everyone was like, "That's that's another thing too." It's, it's, it's just like you need to like get a new hobby if it's going on song meetings <laughs> and be like, "Fall oh, Boy covered this song and it was stupid." Well, I love you, Blake. okay. Like, Do we need we need we discuss the horribleness of internet co- like comments in general? No, oh, let's not. Yeah, um, but that is interesting though because like there's this kind of still tension between Jawbreaker is seen as like a classic like the original emo band, right? And then mm. Fall Out Boy is seen as like a later wave of emo that's like less respected, I think. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting kind of tension there where it's like Fall Out Boy can't cover this, they shouldn't, blah blah blah, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. why the fuck? Like who cares? It's my song. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and I think that's and that's like so dumb and shitty, like how like newer emo is, like, less respected or less authentic or whatever. Yeah. I think that's some bullshit, yeah. too. Yeah, and I think there's always going to be, like, a kickback because of, like, you know, it's yeah. funny because, like, a band like Fall Out Boy, you know, like, popularized the genre mm-hmm. and, you know, brought it mm-hmm. uh, to a fucking huge audience. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of funny because, like, Jawbreaker rode that wave from when Dookie came out from Green Day and then a lot of major, la- major labels were snatching up those punk yeah. bands. Yeah, And, um, yeah. I mean, it's funny, yeah, because Jawbreaker's, like, literally from the same area, the Bay Area that uh, Green Day's from, and um, they got snatched up in that first wave, that first time that punk really got popular, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, it's kind of interesting how, like, they also, like, much in the same way as Fall Out Boy, have, like, suffered the backlash of merely, you yeah. know, being successful. Right, so. totally. Oh, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, backlash from, like, the later albums when mm-hmm. they, like, signed to a major label and, like, oh my sold God. out, blah, oh blah, my blah. God. And we talk about, if you listen to the Fall Out Boy podcast, we talk about that, about selling out. Oh, yeah. yeah. That but was anyway. a good part. Okay, shh. <laughs> don't lie. Don't lie on this podcast. <laughs> don't lie to me. Um, okay, wait, did you want to talk about... I love you so much is killing us both. Oh, gotta move on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I just really liked the oh! line in that song. What's up? Yeah, no, sorry. No, no, no. I did want to talk about this one. Sorry. I just got excited seeing the lyrics again. Okay. okay. You want me to go first? Well, also, okay. No, what I was going to say really quickly. Okay. Um, my first thought was, is, okay, do you think this is true? I feel like this is about a pregnancy. Thoughts? Um, I think there is, yes, it's, it's about a pregnancy or it's also about somebody who, uh, like, and I think there's, there's multiple songs where this is uh, the case. He loves this chick so much that he actually wants to have children with her. And like that, or I mean, you know, talking from the perspective of Blake, but it could be anybody. You love somebody so much you want to have uh, children with them. Um, because I think it's also, oh, I have it in my notes somewhere. Oh, my <laughs> oh God. Oh, man, he's going to connect it to something else. He's going to connect it. 
Oh, I could have done it. Well, I don't know. He t- he talks about it later on in the album about like the notion of uh, having children and uh, loving so much somebody so much that you want to have children with them. But um, I didn't think of it in t- specifically in terms of like somebody's already pregnant, and that's what it's uh, alluding to. But that's interesting. Okay. No. Wait, no. I think mm. I think both could be true. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, no. Like the overall, the general idea, right, is that. It's kind of like a love-hate thing, where it's like, I'm not good enough for you, like, I love you, but also, like, we can't work out, or, like, I want us to work out, and, like, also, maybe we shouldn't work out, like, that whole idea. That's very, very, very common across all, much of emo, and just music in general. (laughs) Uh Um, But I actually think, I think these lyrics, um, I think these are some of my favorite on the whole album, and I think, like, it's a very... um, it's a really sad, really sad sentiment, I think. Like, yeah. should we get married or just go on killing each other? Like, I don't think I hate you enough to commit you to me. Like, it's so, yeah. it's, like, very fucking sad. How can I save you when I couldn't save a dime? Like, I think Yeah, that, that was, and I actually isolated that as, like, one of the best lines on the whole album. So, email in general, I think, really is good at exploring the idea of, like, unhealthy relationships and like what it means to like Mm. both people and kind of like so the idea it's like you want me to save you but I can't I can barely I can't even save myself like that idea I think that's like really strong in this whole album um and I don't know it's just it's very 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 sad um lie and say we're through that's the last line like it's just all I think it's I mean they're beautiful they're beautiful lyrics like it's a very like, I feel like I can understand, like, this type of relationship because I've, like, been in situations similar to this. But, like, the way mm-hmm. he sort of lays it out, I think it's, like, a, it's sad but really, really nice. Like, it's a beautiful kind of... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm just rambling. But no, I no, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I totally think you're, uh, you're on to something. Because, like, I think also a big part of what, like, a... Like a, a not like a lesson, but uh, a message that Blake's trying to convey throughout this whole album is that it's hard to you love another person when you can't love yourself, and you're like right, basically exactly, don't even have exactly. your own affairs in order. So, yes. like, because like there's so much like self hate that's yes. going on, and one thing that I think this song touches on, and a lot of the other songs touch on, is that it's really easy to get caught up in a relationship and then to use someone else's love or admiration of you to use that as a substitute for your love of yourself, you know, and you don't have any stories really. Yeah. I was about to say, I could see in your eyes. This is really uh, bringing back a flood of memories. No, Um, Don't cry on your laptop, but you can cry. Wow. Maybe eventually. Um, yeah, no, I think, right. And I think also not to like go back to, cause I just put up the death cab podcast. I'm going back to it. And that's like a very strong theme on that album too like, flawed people loving other flawed people and, like, realizing that you're flawed and, like, how can two people, like, work out when they can't get their own shit together? Like, mm-hmm. that idea. And I think in our 20s, I think that's, like, a very real feeling. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't have my shit together. I should, no, but I don't. Do I. Yeah. And, like, how the fuck can I, like, be with someone else right now? Like, how can I give you something that I can't even figure out myself? Um, so I think that is something that I've definitely dealt with. Uh, I don't want to get too personal because I feel like this is... Too much. But, like, no, I won't, I won't. But I've definitely dealt with this feeling. Not, <laughs> not necessarily, like, me, but, like, my partner was very, like, it was, like, yeah, like, they're unhappy, and they were, like, using me as, like, their source of happiness. Like, that idea. Right. And then it's kind of, like, 
I love you, so I'll do this, but this isn't, maybe this isn't, like, great. And then later on, kind of, like, realizing it and then being, like, I'm really sorry I did that. I shouldn't have done that. But the point is that, like, it was done, right? And it's mm -hmm. this kind of, like, a one, not one-sided, but this, like, uneven kind of relationship. I think that happens a lot. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, that's why it's, uh, I think um, another uh great line on this whole song is um, all I want is a life without parties and he talks about <laughs> makes, a, yeah I know it's like fantastic and um, really like throughout and I think like uh, you know bad scene everyone's fault talks about this too is that there is like everybody loves partying I love partying you love partying but there's also a certain situations in which you don't want to be at a party mm -hmm. and, you know, you're going to, you just, you don't yep. feel comfortable. And I know. You're uh, what, just like tired. Yeah. You're and, tired. <laughs> yeah. And you're tired. And um, it reminds me, you know, speaking of this is going to bring it. When I heard that line, it reminded me of uh, being in college. Cause like when I was, especially like my freshman and sophomore years, um, like I didn't, I wasn't in a band at that time. So uh, I was still like kind of confused with who not only like my self identity identity but I thought there was something wrong with me because I had a hard time like relating to I guess the like stereotypical college kid because like I really liked uh like music and art and stuff like that but I still enjoyed sports and like I was a big time jock like I played a bunch of sports in high school so like I didn't almost see myself fitting into like a certain crowd because when I went to Michigan State like my two cousins um were Phil and Lisa I love you guys to death um, they, uh, were kind of more, um, in a sort of conventional stream, uh, throughout. And like a lot of people that they would hang out with, um, would be a part of like a particular crowd, like a very, you know, typical undergraduate crowd at like a bigger university. And, uh, I just never had fun being at those parties. And I felt like that there was, it's just basically a big misunderstanding me going there. So it wasn't until that, like, I got older and, like, I got a, you know, a certain um, subset of friends that shared my interests that I was able to go to, like, certain social groups, like, here at the greenhouse. I was able to go to parties here and actually, like, enjoy myself. So there was, a, like, a, a good amount of time in my college years where I didn't like going out or partying, even though you're supposed to at mm -hmm. that age, you know? Yeah. Well, I also think, too, like, this is kind of... Um like, the idea of being the life of the party, it's, like, putting on, like, a front. Not a front, but putting on, like, your best self and the idea of that. And I think a lot of emo also deals with this idea, which is, I feel like, why I really feel strongly about it. Like, that's tiring, and, like, you shouldn't have to do that. And, like, kind of, like, your worst self, like, kind of putting that out there. And I think mm -hmm. that's what a lot of emo music does. It's, like, this is my worst self. Like, I'm, like, saying all this, like, I hate myself. I, like, yeah. kind of hate you, or I hate our relationship, or, like, I think our relationship can't work because of my own shit and like that idea it's like the life of the party like where it's like you are like the good one right like you're the one who like everyone wants to be around right and i think and i think and all i want is a life without parties like i just don't want to be like that all the time yeah like, i want to feel like fucked up and weird and like not like knowing what i'm doing and i think that is like the general statement even though it's like a very specific phrase about life of the party and like going to parties mm -hmm. but i and i talked about this in death cab one too briefly like there are very lines, there are like lines that are very specific about like things, like very specific events or moments, like the idea of like being at a party, but like what it represents is really like large and I think it's very relatable. Um, so the idea like if like 
I want a life without parties, like what that means generally, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I want a life where I can just fucking sit and like not yeah. have to put on that face, right? And like Certainly. figure out my own shit. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a good, that is what I, I really like about Evo, like that that is kind of a recurring theme in that music. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Certainly. I love that line too. So yeah. Weird. It's a great one. Really good one. <laughs> FYI, Alex is the life of the party. Oh, Always. oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, but I can't say enough about how much I actually, I think these lyrics are, so, like, I feel like right now I relate to these a lot because of, like, all this, like, You're rich. relating more and more. Yeah, I, man, that's By the saying. time this yeah. podcast is over, you're going to be, like, I biggest jawbreaker fan ever. <laughs> like, so. I only listen to emo now, and I feel like it's a lot of it, like, emo and pop music, and I feel like pop music <laughs> makes me happy, and emo is, like... This is how I'm feeling. Like, I'm feeling like, I don't know what the fuck is going on with my life. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I have to listen to it. Like, it just, like, mm. feels right. So, anyway. Um, yeah, so I think those lyrics are excellent. Um, Very did good. You wanna, are we going to talk about Fireman? Yeah, you want to talk uh, I, about Fireman. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Um, for me, this is just in terms of, especially as someone like I am a pretty bad musician. So uh, <laughs> I like self taught. And uh, well, in comparison to like other more classically trained musicians, I may not be the best. So I've never, I've never admired like, oh, that dude can shred like no other. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Like right. I, I always admire like songwriters. And uh, melodies and lyrics, so I think that's another reason why I was drawn um, to uh, you know Jawbreaker to this album and specifically to this song um, because I do think Fireman is the uh, the best song on the album. Um, wow! And, uh, yeah, and I don't even, and I don't even think it's necessarily like the most meaningful song on the album um, or anything like that, but um, it is like the classic longing lover song. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like you were talking about like, you know, partying and putting on that face and, you know, just trying to be fun and in the presence of others. Um, and, uh, you know, like he says, like, maybe I'm obsessed to think like this, probably not impressing you for my cheap tricks. Sorry, that one fucking kills me. Yeah, yeah. I'll play the part for hours, but I know you'll never come. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty sad. Yeah, dude. Um, Crushing phrase that is. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's like, um, I think like basically um, this is recounting like timelines and situations and circumstances. And I think every time that we go through like a relationship, a relationship that either (laughs) a relation slip, slip, that was, I I think it's kind of applicable when you're, when you're slipping out of a relationship, it's kind of dissolving. Um, you kind of can, you, you'll go over and when it's all over, you'll think about what happened. Mm -hmm. And maybe if one thing was different, if we did this differently, and like you're, you know, you think about it, but it's kind of like a, a, you know, like a, a futile exercise because at the end of the day, you, you approach a point when you're where you're just like you can't want 
you know, it's kind of, and I don't want to be sound pretentious, but like a like a Nietzsche kind of Nietzschean kind of <laughs> thought, where it's like he says Fuck. that he's like, I want, you know, he's like, I want to live, and I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I want nothing forward, nothing backward, just yeah. as it is. So it's like you can wish all you want that for the future to be different or for the past to be uh, something else and to rearrange it, but you're fundamentally stuck in the situation that you're in. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what's going on. Not totally. specifically like Nietzsche or anything, but that <laughs> idea. Sisyphus, um, like pushing that rock up that hill though. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I hate, I'm sorry. Um, philosophy bros are my least favorite kind of people. I, I know. Guess. I hate them too. Um, no, you're, you're one of them. Okay. Whoa. So, yeah, no, I... I agree. I do think it's like the idea that you're kind of obsessively like looking back and thinking about what happened, what could have happened, what should have happened. Mm. Um, and I really just like generally like songs about dreams. I think dreams are like a very poignant kind of way of thinking about situations that you kind of like wish played out differently. Um, mm, yeah. And, you know, Dream Dive is a tidal wave. I ravaged your coast. There were no survivors. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then, if you could hear the dreams I've had, my dear, they would give you nightmares for a week. But you're not here, and I can never sleep. Yeah. Um, like, very, I mean, so also this is an interesting, like, I feel like I talk about this in every podcast, like, the melodrama of emo music, and how it's, like, very um, extreme, like, very dramatic, like, I, you're not here, so I can never sleep, mm-hmm. like, odds are he's slept since then, probably, like, but yes. the idea that it's, like, in that moment, it's, like, you're saying I can never sleep, because that's, like, what you're feeling, like, I feel like I will never be able to sleep again, like, I think that's, like, a very um, poignant way of kind of showing heartbreak, right? Or, like, kind of loss. Um, so that's why, that's another reason why I'm, like, like I'm attracted to emo music, because that kind of hyperbole, I think, yeah. like, works really well when you're, like, in that moment of, like, mm-hmm. this is the worst I've ever felt. You know what I mean? Like, even, oh, though yeah. it's, even though it's not objectively, like, it is at that moment. Like, this is the worst day of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and that idea, um, I think, is really mm-hmm. important um, in emo music. Um, there's another thing I want to say. I forgot. Oh, and then, okay, so this is kind of similar to the, what's the one before this? I already forgot. Oh, I love you so much. Yeah. So the line, um, seems I couldn't save you from me. The idea Mm -hmm. of saving, right. And how saving in a relationship, it seems like, which I think is like an unhealthy idea. Like you're saving, I'm saving you from me. You're saving me, whatever, like that kind of. Or without me, you would just be terrible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think that's an interesting kind of theme too across like. I couldn't save you from me. So, like, I am someone that, like, you shouldn't be dealing with me because, I like, I am a fuck-up, right? And no one can save you from me. Like, the idea of saving, I think that's, like, a cool kind of thread throughout this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, to kind of pick up on what you were saying earlier on... Uh, I've. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the lyrics on song meetings that we have were submitted by Emo Justin. So even he's <laughs> thank in you, on Emo it. Emo Justin. So thank you. Thank you. Emo Justin, if you're listening, we love you. From Emo Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Emo Justin. Um, but kind of like you were saying, um, and I think that is kind of marked the difference from Emo from like previous, you know, like punk eras. 
um, was like you were saying, like the hyperbole and the melodrama yeah. of relatively mundane things. Like yes, I think, exactly. like uh, you know, like a lot of you know tough guy '80s hardcore bands would be like, "What a girl broke your heart? Fuck you! I just got beat up by the cops and stuff." And like a lot of their content was like de- dealing with like extreme situations. Rise above. But, like, I kind of feel that, um, and I think that's why I was also drawn to emo music, that some of the most impactful things in my life have come from relatively mundane things. Yes. The things that everybody goes through. Exactly. And yeah. it hasn't come from I, me, you know, getting, you know, I did have a cop point a gun at me one time, but I never write a song about that because it was never, no, and oh I think that God. comes off like I had a BB I mean, gun okay. and, right. you know, I mean, maybe if, you Jesus know, I wasn't Christ. Aryan, things would have ended up differently. Yeah, seriously, but, he's a white dude, so it's um, fine. So it was. So luckily, um, but you, you know, certain things like that, like I've been through a few extreme situations, but that I feel like is never the things that I think impact to me the most in the long run. It usually is mundane things like a relationship, a boyfriend, girlfriend dynamic, or a, you know, a same sex dynamic, whatever, maybe <laughs> I want to include everybody wow, here, especially you. now that the Supreme Court said it's okay. So, uh, okay. um, but, um, <laughs> I think that is also, like, kind of what makes, like, emo different is that there is something to look at in the, like, the mundane, the average, the everyday. Um, There is, like, a lot of stuff that is incredibly formative Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, that really uh, is going to be a lot more impactful than... Then, like, even, you know, politics. And I I love that shit, man. Well, yeah. um, Yeah. (laughs) Certainly, I can totally see uh, why... um, things have kind of trended in this direction because I do think stuff's going to stick with you more when it is talking about such an immediate, mm-hmm. relatable feeling like right. what Blake's been talking about yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah. the past three songs. Yeah, and I think also to get even, like, more mundane, like, and I talked about this in the Death Cab one, too, like, that even just, like, a very specific moment, like, finding a photo in a glove compartment of, like, your ex, like, something like that where it's, like, very specific or, like, a, or, like, a phrase that someone said or, like, like this, like, very like minuscule thing but it's like magnified right times a thousand Mm -hmm. and i think like having songs that like legitimate that like that idea that even though it's this tiny thing it like feels fucking huge i think that is so important to people to teens to 20s to to everybody to anybody right like that's Mm -hmm. how people are attracted to emo like this thing um so i think that is like a cool thing about emo like it's relatable and in a very it's like very specific but it but it is much bigger. Yeah, and like you were saying, it seems kind of empowering in a sense, yeah. you know, yeah. to like it's have, totally empowering, to yeah. have like, you know, fucking amazing songwriters like Blake um, talking about the same shit that you've dwelled over yep. like, all the time. Exactly. And, um, you know, like you were saying, like I think that, like a lot of people will talk about, well, how can I make a difference in the world? I'm one person and then, and, and like they'll, they'll take this view that as if, if you can't do something extraordinary, then you can't have an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a flawed worldview. And I think that's also mm-hmm. the same thing that Savior Generation is talking about. That, you know, you don't have to be a world leader to uh, necessarily yeah. change history. Just and, you know, and that doesn't involve you, you know, forming your own country and drafting a constitution. Um, it can be uh, a, lot, a lot more uh, simplistic than that. So... Um, I uh, certainly, certainly agree that in the average, in the everyday, look out the window the next time you can, and maybe you'll see something that will profoundly <laughs> change your worldview. Maybe you will. Yeah. Um, we need to move on, because holy fuck. Okay. But okay. Accident Prone. This is also one of my oh, okay, favorite cool. songs on the album. Mm-hmm. 
I think this is also, this one is a really good representative of sort of hyperbole, hyperbolic lyrics. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Hyperbolic burp. I was thinking about all these like songs about accidents, generally. There are a lot. Yeah. Um, people commit accidents, yeah. <laughs> but like also talking about people as accidents and things like that. Yeah. Accidental people. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well you can talk about your notes. <laughs> about um, this song. <laughs> I, uh... Basically, my notes have, are conveying to me uh, that essentially, you with accident prone, you can pushing someone away with your own actions, and um, how uh, you know it can lead, especially like when you put the culpability for ending a relationship or something on yourself, it can lead to a pretty deep, dark uh, depression. So. Um, certainly, uh, I think like he was saying, like I, uh, I scratched my accidents into the wall. I couldn't wait to breathe a breath. I cut in line and bleed to death and stuff. It's like <laughs> basically like self-inflicted wounds. Um, that you're putting on yourself through not only the actions that you made to ultimately end the relationship, but the idea that the end of the relationship was all your fault um, can kind of lead to a lot of unnecessary mm -hmm. grief. And um, it can kind of make you feel as if you are nothing. And um, But basically, uh, like he said, and, and at the end, like, I built this life and now it's mine. Like, Jesus, mm -hmm. in the context of the whole song, it's like, Pretty, pretty uh, depressing. So, um, yeah, and certainly, and I think when he says, and this is this is totally spontaneous, something I just picked up right Do now. It. When he's saying, uh, "I used my eyes, not my hands," I think he's referring to something that he thought he saw. You know, something that wasn't ultimately tangible. So it was just kind of like a thought. It was a feeling. But um, at the end of the day. Um, he wasn't really looking at the situation um, for what it was and stuff. He was all caught up in the feeling of it. So um, I think that's a little bit of what that's referring to in the entire situation. Um, it's just talking about past mistakes and um, ending something and then punishing yourself um, for, you know, whatever happened, you know. And even, you know, punishing yourself to a, uh, a self-destructive extent. Any stories really? <laughs> yeah, lots, lots, yeah. But um, definitely, it seems like one of the, like lyrically, one of the darkest songs on a very dark album. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, it was, for me, like, too, like the way it's written and everything, like, it starts off as like a halftime track and then it kind of kicks in with like a driving beat and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's like incredibly catchy to the way it's written as well. Yeah. Oh my God. We're already 44 minutes into this. Holy fuck. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really, I think this, these are some of my favorite lyrics on the album as well. Um, so I think again, it's the idea that it's like two people who are like pushing each other's buttons to like the brink Mm -hmm. But, like, not, it's, like, going too far, but not far enough, I guess. Like, the idea, so, 
This is the one that reminded me of a fan fiction I just read. I'm not going to get into it. But oh, okay. um, it's like, what's the closest you can come to an almost total wreck and still walk away? All limbs intact. What's the closest you can come to an almost total wreck and still walk away? All limbs intact. Yeah. I think that's like a very kind of good like little fuses for the song and then later on um what's the meanest you can be to the one you claim to love and still smile to your newfound friends yeah um i think those are very very like powerful lines like those kind of ideas of like being bad enough but not going like too far and like what is that line how can i straddle that line how can i like still smile to people around me, like, knowing that I'm an asshole kind of thing, yeah. um, or knowing that this relationship is fucked up. Like, that idea, I think, um, is really sad, but also very, like, relatable and real. Like, if you're in kind of a, like, a bad place or a shitty relationship or whatever it is. Um, yeah, the one you, I mean, you can be the one you claim to love. I think that's, yeah. like, a really... Yeah, and I think he's, like, a lot of this is, um, like... Blake projecting out or the narrator mm-hmm. uh, projecting outwards to like because um, I think at the same time too I feel like Blake feels slighted by this whole like he says I wanted you you wanted more um, and then a couple lines mm-hmm. before that you know like right after the uh, the smiles you newfound friends in the same confusing breath you pull me away yeah you draw, draw me, me in, in. yeah um, so it's basically like you know whoever the other person and I think we've all been in relationships like this where they kind of, like, play their part, and then they act like they like you, and, like, that's wonderful, and then when it actually comes to, like, concrete steps in a relationship, either meeting somebody else's parents or something like that, then they're a little gun-shy. This is Alex. This and, is Alex. Yeah, so this this is basically <laughs> me. This song's basically about me, and, um, and it's kind of about, like, how the how horrible it is when somebody that you really like and you really care about um, ultimately doesn't feel the same way or ultimately is confused about you and whether or not they even want to be in a relationship with you. So Yeah, and I would say also, I think I talked about this in another one, I really, really, really am drawn to the idea of like both and, kind of like contradictory sort of things. So it's mm-hmm. like, and I think this is almost a good example where it's like you're invested in them and also you want them to stay away from you, right? And that kind of idea. Yeah. Um, like I want you close to me and it's never close enough, but it's also like too close. Right. Um so I think that's a really, really, like, um, salient idea on this. And then, like, you pull away and you draw me in. So kind of having, like, mixed feelings about someone. Like, I really like you and I also hate you. And those are both, like, I'm holding both of those in my hands. Um, that idea, which I think is very, um, again, like, we've all probably experienced that at some point in our lives. <laughs> and it's uh-huh. really shitty and confusing. So Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's... I think this song is a very good um, example of kind of that idea, but just in a very hyperbolic way, right? So kind of mm. using it in terms of like death, accidents, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, so, yep. Yep. Good one. <laughs> good one. Great tune. We're talking um, so long. Um, yeah, okay. Should we, <laughs> uh, should we like zoom ahead to later okay, on so in the album? Okay, do you want to talk about chemistry or no? Um, we can talk about chemistry. I mean, chemistry can be to... brief because I don't think okay, it's that Okay, because we also have to talk deep. about, yeah, we have to talk about the last four songs, which are oh, okay. a thing. All right, cool. Well, that, I mean, We're since you already brought it up, we'll just do chemistry in a really brief way. Um, and obviously I first noticed it when I covered the song. 
Basically, like, and I, what I wrote in my notes is, like, in the epitome of why Blake Schwarzenbach is held up. Is it Blake Schwarzenbach, right? Schwarzenbach? Or what? Schwarzenbach. Schwarzenbach. That's what I thought. I don't know. He's Whatever. Probably, he's probably Jewish. Um, yeah. <laughs> and basically, I think this song is why it's held up as a lyricist. And we were talking about, like, you know, like, mundane things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, and basically, like, who cannot relate to being in a high school and uh, not having a good sense of style in relation to your peers, <laughs> and yeah. uh, liking you know the girl that everybody likes, but that yeah. she actually has a boyfriend that is yeah. way cooler than you. So you are just going to go drink uh, and think about the person that you like that doesn't like you. So it's like kind of him harking back of like how these feelings that he's had, these feelings of disappointments in relationship, depression in regards to uh, a romantic interest. Um, how it's basically happened almost throughout his, his whole life process. So even going back to high school. Um, and like this, the, like I felt like if you told me to write a song about like being in high school and having a crush, a girl doesn't like you back, you compensate with drug use, it would sound like so cliche and so ter- terrible, but the way that he writes, it's like fantastic. So mm-hmm. um, literally the chorus, the verse bridge everything um is so fantastic and instantly relatable and basically a huge example of taking something that has been done especially like as a as a like a song for an idea like lyrically it's been done so many times um like i said many have written about marginalized life in high school but few have captured it in the way that blake does and i think that's really true um and um, even though we're all older now and stuff, like, who we can all relate to it, um, my air guitar is out of tune and stuff, <laughs> Stupid Hair So 82, it's, it's, all, it's all fantastic. Although, how so. old is he when you wrote this album, I wonder? Um, that is a good question, because I think he's, like, 50 now. 95. He, okay, yeah. he came out in 95. He was born in 67. Oh, he's 48 now. It's 95 minus 67. Some quick math what? that I can't uh, do right now. Oh, my God. I'm so bad. I should be <laughs> in charge for that. Okay. Um, is that 27? Is that what that is? 28. Oh, okay, 28. oh, I was close. Okay. I can't believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, like, close to Ari's when he wrote this stuff, which I think makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, I agree. Again, very, very specific references, and I think that makes the song more real um, and less cliche. Um, mm. So, yeah, talking about... This person. Also, the One Direction song, I Would, has a very similar theme, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everyone's ripping off Blake. Sorry. It's Man, true. He it's did true. influence a lot of bands. Did. I did not think that One Direction would be one of them, well, you never but know. I guess they are. You never know. And Kanye, too. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he crosses genres. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I will say, just I think as an end kind of point, um, so the last um, verse, I think, is very, a very, very, very common like, end of high school feeling. Sit and stare, it's all we do. All my friends are broken, too. We're just waiting, waiting to begin. Yeah. Um, so kind of, yeah, that idea of, like, escaping high school as, like, a living hell and, like, getting to college or waiting to start another path in your life and not to like whatever but yeah the replacements can't hardly wait very similar feeling with that too yeah um 
so the idea that it, you hope it'll get better, or like you think it'll get better in the next sort of whatever you're doing in your life, um, and just kind of that waiting game, I guess. Um, yeah, and that you're just kind of like putting it off because like, no, I mean, if if you're the person you want to be in high school, I feel bad for you. So, um, <laughs> right, you know, all, the, every, all the emo kids. Yeah, everybody who, uh, you know, had like at least like an IQ above 80, um, you certainly were not, you know, Harsh. like fully like socially formed when, and you, you certainly didn't know what was cool or what you thought was cool, mm-hmm. you now realize is lame in high school and, um, yeah. That's exactly what he's talking about is that you're really waiting to come into your own. And, um, you know, like for me, even coming into college, like it took me a while to come into my own. But when I did, uh, I'm glad I did. I mean, hence why I'm on this podcast. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. Okay, let's move on. So okay. we're going to skip the, the middle part of the album. Sorry. Yeah. And we're going go to go to the last. Middle part. Sorry, middle part. We're going to go to the last four songs. Okay. So we're going to start a bad scene. That's in everyone's fault. So I'm going to say immediately, Alex and I talked about this. I don't necessarily like the message of the song, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think musically it's a really good song. Um, yeah. And I think the lyrics are interesting. Um, mm-hmm. um, for me, uh, I couldn't find at least... Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure you probably came up with something more profound than me. I couldn't find anything that was super deep about this song. Uh, except for the absence of like uh, a happy medium, um, and it mm. seems like um, there are some overtones with uh, you know kind of like the song Million to um, overtones for like the band going uh, signing major, and you know they got, there was a big backlash for it, um, and I think there was uh, there's some stuff in that, but um, like he's saying you know why is it always like this? Either you're too mean or you're too nice. Um, yeah, so, like, why are you always like this? If I'm having fun, then it's breaking your heart. So it seems like you can never have it both ways. Like, you can't have it the way you want it. Like, there's yep. always going to be some issue. Yeah. There's going to be something. Someone's going to think Led Zeppelin's lame, but you think it's awesome. <laughs> Or, you know, you like this girl, and then she doesn't like you anymore, and she actually likes this other guy, and now he's wearing your shirt. Yeah. Like, basically, um, it's taking uh, the whole idea of, once again, like, you know, like, partying, and parties is a big part of that, and actually going to parties and not having, like, a good time. Um, but uh, I'm interested into, if you had a reason why he says, um, I ran into this guy I knew I hadn't seen in years. I still don't know what he's referring to when he's saying that, but um, in terms of the entire song, uh, it seems like the uh, the whole idea that's hit on throughout the entire album, but that there really isn't a happy medium you're ever going to find. You're either mm-hmm. violently, mm-hmm. the pendulum's violently swinging mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. happiness and despair pretty much all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I think using the party metaphor, I think, is a pretty good way to show that, yeah. generally. Um, 
So the few the few things that I kind of related to the idea of being unsatisfied. I don't know why mm-hmm. I'm in a replacements kick. The idea of replacements like unsatisfied, I think. Is uh, maybe it's because they were just in town not too long ago. Maybe that's why. Oh yeah, so I did see them. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, so actually, hopefully, maybe I don't, maybe well, I don't know if they're emo. Dismemberment plan has a song. It's my favorite song called "You Are Invited." And it's this idea, but more optimistic, like going to okay. a party, feeling like you're feeling weird about it. Um, this isn't actually very related, but just reminded me of it. But no, I think you're right in the sense that, and this kind of goes back to like the both and, where it's or it's like you're pushing someone away and you also want them closer. Like yeah. the idea that you're too mean or you're too nice. Like there's mm-hmm. no middle point. It's like you're too much of one thing or too much of the other, because that's like the extreme emotions that someone brings out of you. And there's no, right, like you were saying, there's no happy medium, there's no middle point, there's no, like, neutral ground, because someone makes you feel so strongly. Um, And it's like, you can't be, like, you're too mean or too nice, you can't be anywhere in the middle, because someone, like, brings that out of you. Um, So, yeah, that idea kind of brought to a more individual level, I guess, in this song. Um... Yeah, that's kind of it. I would say a similar thing that you did. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything. I ran into this guy I haven't seen here. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Seems metaphorical. Um, but just that idea of, like, yeah, you can never be... It's never, like, the situation you want it to be. It's always too much or too little. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. That's all I Pretty care. Pretty much. Yeah, that's all I care to say about this um, And I think, yeah, a lot of... Re- like, while he's talking, like, you know, the... Uh, like, the scene of a party and stuff is because, like, I'm sure there were times when Blake was, you know, going to, like, parties and stuff when they weren't on tour and after they signed Major where, like, people would just make fun of him or talk shit about him when mm-hmm. he was there because of what he did with his band, which um, I don't know if this is a good time to talk about the, the hate, you know, like, the uh, the going Major hate, but mm-hmm. um, certainly it's one of those things that as I've gotten older and gotten and I've, I've listened to my fair share of music... Um, it's something that I'm increasingly dismissing as any sort of barometer for what's meaningful or what's mm-hmm. a, so yeah. I think I think like especially in modern times, I think Weezer's the only band that's ever sold out. I don't think there's any <laughs> other band that qualifies because like when Super you do podcast. when you write an original song for State Farm Insurance and you like make a commercial out of that, then then I'll say <laughs> you sold out and or you sold out. And you have to get me into a very, very specific place for me to even toss those words around. But, um, <laughs> certainly, I think all the hate that they get for this album, and I think a lot of people reject this album yeah. and the sound of it. Definitely unwarranted. Yeah, because uh, just because it was on a major. But I think, you know, if this album comes out on, like, Lookout Records or something like that, everybody has an entirely different opinion about it. Right. And especially because the dude, because I believe the producer for this album also produced Dookie um, by Green Day, oh, and okay. um, right. I think that's another reason why people saw them following the same path as Green Day, as these like you know diamonds in the rough, these like amazing bands um, that were you know being formed and releasing music in you know the early '90s in the Bay Area, and then something that was you know what the Bay Area was about, and then all of a sudden they grow up, and then it's not your um, it's not, you know, not your band that you were listening to in the basement or whatever. But um, it's kind of weird because I feel like it kind of relates to this idea of ownership and that these bands, mm-hmm. because maybe they represented your feelings and stuff, that them as people, they must certainly think like you think, and why would they make this decision? Obviously, they turned out to be stupid. <laughs> right. So, like, right. it's yeah. just, uh, yeah. I just think a lot of that hate's overdue, and um, it's something that, frankly, I really, if you feel strongly uh, about them, you know, being sellouts or posers, uh, I don't 
you know, I'm not really yeah. going to give you a lot of time to explain your position. So. No, right. And I think, and also especially because, like, the lyrics are, like, very dark. It's not like he, like, he, like, mm. lightened up for this major Yeah, role. definitely. Like, it's like, they're all definitely. the same. Definitely, yeah, good point. Anyway, yeah, this producer produced a lot of shit beyond Dookie. Yeah. He produced a lot of Green Day. A lot of Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, I did not know that. He produced My Comical Romance's Black Parade. It's a pretty good oh. album. It's a Phil Collins album and a Kid Rock Dave album. Dave Matthews Band to top yes. it all off. Jeez, That's wow. Funny. Okay, That's... yeah. This this guy. But, this guy. Um, looks like a normie. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. No, I think I think that's a good that's a good time to bring it up. I think that's true. Whatever. All that mm-hmm. shit is knowledge. It. Um. Fuck. I forgot actually how good these lyrics are. I saw a lot of like jawbreaker day statuses on oh, my right. like, newsfeed, right, and I was right, like, right. "What?" And then, <laughs> and then I like, and then I was like, "Oh, okay, okay." okay. And then I finally listened to it. <laughs> also, I told Alex earlier. I thought this song was called. We're talking about sluttering May Fourth. I thought it said stuttering, <laughs> which like it sounds like a better song title to me, like sluttering. Like what? Anyway, so that's annoying. Like, come on, misogyny. I don't know. Um, but these lyrics are fucking incredible. I will say, like, I really, 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 really like. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, Music. this, this like, um, uh, I think it's pretty much, like, lyrically is, like, kind of the most, like, profound or intimidating on yeah. the way you look yeah, at it. Yeah, it's like, freaking brilliant. And the way it's it's written, because it's it's clear, like, especially when you read lyrics like this, you're like, okay, this guy reads, like, books, and by <laughs> books I mean novels, not magazines, so. Yeah, um, yeah. It's pretty impressive what he does, too, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and again, I think there's a similar kind of thread throughout this whole thing, um, so, I saw through your trap and into my own wrists. I saw through your trap and into my own wrists. Saw we went through red ribbons, spilled to blue. Sight to saw your eyes. So I think that idea again where it's like, look, using our relationship as a way of like looking into myself and seeing my own shit, right? So yeah. seeing my own like shortcomings. And I think that's a big part of this album, too. Like, our relationship as a means of seeing what's wrong with me. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, like, now I'm looking for the line in here, but I think also he does... Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the last two lines of the song, this is his story, you won't tell the kids we'll never have, and stuff. Oh, another, yeah. Yeah, another allusion to, uh, you know, loving someone, or at least thinking you love someone so much that you even want to have children with them. Oh, right. Going which back is, that, that's one hell of a love right there. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Well, he um, was in his mid-twenties. So. Yeah, but um, definitely yeah. Um, um, he, what he says uh, that I actually saw in one corner of the internet about this song is that um, he defined um, the word sluttering as a, it's a true story, ugly and forever. The word sluttering means kind of a drunk muttering. Oh. I actually defined it once as pontification under duress there was an angry love triangle and then an elaborate reven- re- revenge plot designed to incur maximum humiliation. It succeeded horribly, and I wound up in a hospital in Concord. So um, certainly I think this is referring to a very specific situation and a a person who uh, – w- it wasn't – apparently it wasn't enough just to break up with 
with uh, little old Blake. Uh, <laughs> you needed to actually like game never Blake, revenge. never break up with Blake. Oh my god, Blake! Yeah, I would. Now, I'd be like, you're a straight up idiot, man. I'd be like, let's get married. <laughs> I get impregnated the next oh, day wow. with this yeah. guy's child because he's that's that interesting. Talented. I wish he wouldn't. I wish sl- I mean, sluttering just sounds so shitty though. Like, yeah, and I'm not even necessarily it. like it's like oh you know like I think sluts like one of those words that's like kind of not even. Like, regardless of whether or not it's offending you, it, like, just doesn't even sound, like, cool, you know? And, like, especially, like, sluttering, like, the word itself. (laughs) Like, it doesn't even, like, aesthetically, it's not even pleasing. No, it's not. And, um, it's still, so it's like, but, you know, he wrote so many good lyrics, we'll give him a pass on that one. We'll give him a pass (laughs) for not even being that profound with the sluttering, but, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I love when he's, like, hair in the blood, fly in the disappointment. So good. Yeah. So yeah, and I guess also I guess the song is kind of about like someone someone he loved who's in a relationship with someone else, I believe. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like slow dance alone with no one to the sound of four hands clapping. Right. So your ex, right, and then their partner. Yes, I think I that was is thinking the same. That's thing. a very poignant thing, kind of thing too. Yeah, because um, it feels very. Um, it's like a slap in the face when someone that you love yeah. is with someone else. Um, and then, oh, so this line too, I think, kind of goes back to like the idea of too much, too little, both and like too mean, too nice. So this is your honeymoon in separate moons. It's neither in rooms. It's neither sweet nor bright. Yeah. So the idea that it's like, again, you're on your honeymoon, but also it's like you're in separate rooms. So it's like, you know. It's like, basically, yeah, like the most unromantic image. You can <laughs> yeah. people yeah. on their honeymoon in separate yeah. rooms. Yeah, and then also I love this line too. So you said this is a story you want to tell the kids will never have. But also, yeah. you are your worst revenge. Your very means. They have no ends. Yeah. Like, what a fucking line that is. You are your worst revenge. Your It's a, it's a really hateful song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he's legitimately pissed off. Yeah, he's when pissed. He, he's when pissed. He, he is scorned. Um, so, yeah. Again, so yeah, sluttering, it means as little as your little test. So I feel like he's kind of being a little bit demeaning. I don't really support this idea. He's I feel like he's kind of being demeaning and invalidating of this person he's mad at and their new kind of life or relationship or whatever it is. Um, and your means, they have no ends. So that's like a really fucked up kind of idea. Like I really don't, like you are your worst revenge. Like you're never going to be happy. And that's fine. That seems like he is fine with that. <laughs> like, I don't want you to be happy. Yeah. Cause I'm yeah. not happy. Even though he no, says, he's I hope- like so like bitter yeah. and resentful yeah. like, throughout the whole song. It's almost hard to root for him. Like, right. Or for the rest of the album. Right. Like a little bit of misog- not a little bit, a lot yeah. misogynistic. Um, so yeah, but I think these lyrics are absolutely, I really also really feel connected to lyrics about like body parts. And when he talks about some of the wrists and the red ribbons filled with blue, I just, I love that stuff so much. I like corporate. Yeah, like so much suicide. I can't believe I was alive after doing all this. Yeah, it's so true. Like wrists and like blood and stuff. 
Okay, so we're getting towards the end, because holy fuck, this is long. So Basilica, which might be my favorite song, so... Um, yeah, this one, for me, this... Sluttering's really good, but it's it's almost like towards the end of the album, the lyrics just get better and better, because mm-hmm. the lyrics on this song are... And same with the next song, are fucking incredible. Yeah. Sunken eye, best friend of mine Why do you sit so still, still shaking? Superhero, sapped of all powers So here's what... Well, I won't get into the next song, but um, <laughs> basically I think it's really interesting... Um, that the uh, the term uh, basilica, you know, it's like a you know a religious thing, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a place of worship. And um, I think now I don't have it written down, but my memory serves me correctly. It's Blake used to he was going through a lot of tough times. He's really depressed, and he would actually dress up in a suit, in yep. a black suit, and yeah, and he would go to church. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, he was trying, and he describes the song as sort of a purge. Um, and basically maybe it's coming to terms with your own mortality and wanting to live in spite of suicidal thoughts. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm asking you on a date for the rest of your life. I think that's kind of like an advocation for self-love. Um, and I think that's kind of how the album's kind of rounding out towards the end is mm-hmm. that like, you know, like you can talk about all this disappointment for another person and the sadness that you feel because of, you know, what another person either did to you or what you did to them. But ultimately things in your life, either from a relationship standpoint or just in general, are never going to get better until mm-hmm. you love yourself and you love the person you yes. are. Yes. To quote yeah. RuPaul. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell can you love someone else? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're hitting all you can't the love big yourself. Here. I know, I'm like One Direction, RuPaul, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, so I was going to say, yeah, so it's a very religious mm-hmm. song. Um, so yeah, so he was going to a lot of sort of attending services um, and kind of the idea that like, it's like a meditation of sorts and kind of a sort of way of him, pur- yeah, like you said, pur- like purging yeah. himself, right? So being in a new place and, like, kind of forgiving himself mm-hmm. um, or, like, opening it up or kind of, you know, feeling like things are kind of free or open in a way that the rest of the album was kind of not, like, the rest of the album is a little bit, like, not suffocating, but, like, feeling very, like, trapped in your own shit. Like, in yeah. Your emotion. Oh, yeah. And this kind of feels like a, li- it's like a sad song, but also very nice and it's, like, kind of like a loosening sort of song. Um, and very religious. There's a lot of like talking about angels and prayers and yeah. Yeah, but he still, of course, talks about, like, dying and all that stuff. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think this is a really beautiful song. I really like this song a lot. And it's, like, a lo- like a long, kind of slowed-down song until the yeah. end. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the last line is, I'm asking you on a date for the rest of your life. Which is kind of a lovely... I mean, even though it's... The album overall is kind of sad. Like, that's kind of a really lovely line to it. Mm. Um, definitely. And it, and it kind of seems like the, you know, like just what I was saying earlier, like, 
Um, if you derive like self-worth from romantic interest, like, you know, like basically that romance in your life was being used to like compensate for some sort of right, self-hate exactly. that you had and some sort of shortcoming. So yeah, using, using romance in a right in, as a way to heal yourself or save yourself or save mm-hmm. someone else, which is kind of fucked up mm-hmm. and how this is kind of a different view of it. I think. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Yeah. I just love this song. I think it's a really, really good song. Can't sell me incense. My world smells good enough to eat. So let's not eat, just smell the good and longing, not owning. We'll circle like insects, incensing the grief liquid herd. Have you heard an encouraging word from them? Um, <laughs> the last song, Unlisted. All right. So this was basically the first song for me that I fell in love with on the mm-hmm, album. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I was just like, once again, the as always with Blake, the lyrics are incredible. Um, and I think it's interesting that this song comes right after Basilica. A lot of religious image, imagery in that song. Um, and I think also this is kind of a critique of religion is kind of contained in this song. Um, because I think when he's talking about, in, um, you know, as he goes on, um, we'll circle like insects, uh, and sensing the grieve liquored herd. Uh, have you heard an encouraging word from them? They pretend. Uh, so basically like the grieve liquored herd, it's like, you know, pacified people who basically their drug of choice is going to church. And I think we all know these people who, um, I mean, even though I'm sh- uh, many times they don't view it this way themselves, but they consider church as sort of a crutch. And I think that's what um, Blake's kind of talking about. Like, basically, like that Bible, that's their liquor, you know, like that's what's removing them, you know, from fundamental reality. And like he um, goes on to say, you know, I, uh, I see the ghost of a better world living in the disbelief in ghosts. I see the ghost of a better world living in your disbelief in ghosts. So he's basically saying that, like, you know, like the whole idea of atheism, it can lead uh, to, like, a better world, which I know, like, in punk circles, I think is a really accessible idea of atheism and, you know, why are all these stupid... Um, you know, like, why do we have all these stupid religions? They just get in the way. But I think especially the background of Blake and stuff, and he's such a well-read guy. Um, certainly, I think he's referring to something a lot more, a lot broader than that, as how, like, you know, even going all the way back to Plato, um, you could argue that he was... Philosophy, for, for bro! Another, philosophy, for, bro! For the philosopher bro, to go off for a second here. <laughs> um, basically, like, he referred to the whole idea of, you know, like, the noble eye, and of, you could argue that he was talking about, basically, that Plato was an atheist, and he was talking about that religion serves a certain utility in society, mm-hmm. and that religion, mm-hmm. um, while it may ultimately be false is good for people and it's going to lead to the best society possible. And I think that's the critique that what he's getting at, not just merely at, oh, all these stupid, you know, people. Sheep. And the, yeah, these, these sheep are just killing <laughs> each other. That I think there is, like, kind of a larger um, dialogue going on there. Yes. In terms of the song. I really have nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say, I think this is a really good album ending because I think it's kind of finishing the rounding out of Basilica. Um, it's kind of like a calming down, like an ebb to the flow of yeah, the album. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a really um, good way to put it. Yeah, and, you know, sort of 
to see you beside yourself, this is the wrong lyric, but it's like, mm-hmm. show me the raw stuff of you. Would you do it for yourself? And then, like, we both need a change. To see you beside yourself, show me the raw stuff of you. Would you do it for yourself? Or for me, we both need a change. Your fear of normalcy is hardly strange. So I see this as very optimistic, like kind of like I know we both need to change, and um, like there's these ghosts that everyone's around, and it's like I see the ghosts of a better world living in the disbelief in ghosts. So it's like I don't know if I can get to that better world, but I know it exists. Like it's a ghost yeah. of it, but it exists. Definitely. Um, and it's like, takes both of us to get there. So I think it's like a very sort of uplifting point at the end. Like, mm-hmm. we both need to change. We can do it. It exists. Like, we can get there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think this is kind of a hopeful song. I just, yeah, I think it's a really, really nice song. Um, yeah. It's short, but very Yeah, nice. it's, it's really short. Uh, it's to the point. Um, but like you're saying, it's like a really, it's funny because it's like such a, in a way, at least for, I, I know certain uh, of the more modern listeners wouldn't think about it this way, but it's like um, it, it's like a really it's like a heavier album, and there's yeah. like you know lots of guitars um, and everything. But then you know it ends on this like nice like acoustic song that just has one guitar track with you know, just you know vocals on top of it, and um, and I think a lot of what he's saying is that some of the stuff that we feel alienated by about being confused and uh, thinking we're crazy mm-hmm. is like a universal feeling. And, yes. um, you know, everyone tells me they're crazy and, uh, your fear of normalcy is hardly strange. Yeah, Let's yeah, be yeah. freaks. Yeah. We're just pretty obvious. So I think what he's saying is that like, all of, despite what maybe your social background may be, for me, it's like a kid that's going to college that doesn't know if he's like a punk or a jock or anything that like, well, you may feel weird, you may feel like an outcast and stuff that everybody, no matter who they are, if they, if they think about their lives in with some sort of intricacy has had um, mm-hmm. these feelings before. So I, I, I really like when he says that, you know, color me obvious, I want to be happy half the time and blue only when I have the time. Geez, what a fantastic way to end it now. <laughs> I'm officially intimidated to write anything else ever. So yeah, you it's really should never. Good. No one should ever. Pretty much. Um, yeah, and I think also, um, yeah, really good album ending. The last two lines was a really good album ending. And I think also the um, the title, Dear You. So maybe that was a someone specific. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe mm. it's to you, meaning anyone who listens to this, right? Like, Dear You, here's my story. Yeah. Here's the beginning. Here's yeah. Like, here's the That's a good way of, of thinking about it. I didn't think about it that Yeah, way. like the climax, blah, blah, blah. And then here's, like, the kind of ending that's, like, a, mm. you can deal with it. You can go through it. You can go through it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a really cohesive, <sighs> generally cohesive. Oh, my God. Yeah, I would just want a big verb. Just to send us <laughs> off. Um, yeah, yeah. No, so the last, the last question, which we can talk about really briefly, okay. is, um, so what would you say to convince someone to listen to this album? What I would say is, um, I, I'll say two things. If you're a musician, I would tell you to listen to this song just for the songwriting quality. Yeah, really. Um, certainly. And I would, um, if you're a non-musician, I would also frame this as one of the most underrated albums of the 90s. And, like, it, even though I got into it, like, it's not this album that I've loved for years or anything like it. But as I've gotten into it, I do consider it superior to, like, Green Day's Dookie. Um, to- <laughs> 
to rant, which different, is not easy for this pop punk kid. Yeah, come uh, on, man, uh, it's different thing to say. But like, I do consider it like superior to uh, gr- uh, Green Day's Dookie and what's the other uh, like Get Up Kids, something to write home about. Oh, I do okay. consider better, don't, and that's difficult right. for me don't, to say. Yeah, man, don't that's difficult that's for me to that's say because be our future podcast and that uh, album. I love that okay, album. no, and I love it too. It's one of my favorite <laughs> albums of all time. But like, I certainly think that. Um, <laughs> It's one of those bands that while we all heard about, like they just never achieved, they never had the breakthrough success of like Rancid or Green Day or anything like that. But people, but okay, I mean, that's true. I would say this, this album is underrated, but them as a band, people like worship it. Oh no, but I think like, as like, as like, right, oh, yeah. like Forefathers of Emo. Oh yeah, I mean, no, and they certainly have this like legendary economically, status. Economically, no. Yeah, but economically. I, I'm just saying to the, uh, the plebeian, the common man, um, <laughs> a lot of people don't associate this with legendary, with being legendary. Obviously, if yeah. you're already in the emo pop punk circles, it has its own status, but. That's true, yeah. Um, okay. Certainly, uh, though, to, like, the emo or the pop punk kid, like, I would just tell them that, you know, if you haven't listened to this album, like, basically, you, this is one of those albums where it's, like, a prerequisite. Like, you don't know, (laughs) like, I feel like that I missed out on so much that I just recently, like, within, like, the past, like, year, few months became informed about by listening to this of the year and how, like, important this band was. And what you can also glean from this, that this was Jawbreaker's best album. If you really listen to it, um, it really is their best. And 24-Hour Revenge Therapy, they really step up their game and get good. But everybody gets on unfun and some of the earlier stuff. But I think, like, this really, in terms of the songwriting and the lyrics, it just blows all the other stuff out of the water. It's pretty great. Again, bold statement. Um, I wouldn't say it's their best album. I don't really know. Like, again, I don't really care. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. But, no, I, I agree with Alex. I think that even if you don't, if you haven't heard of this band or you don't really feel like you could connect to them, just even looking at the lyrics, like, I think lyrically, like, so incredible. Like, yeah. he's such an incredible songwriter. Um, so I think my reason I don't latch on to Jawbreaker a lot is because I think a lot of the songs don't, like, stand out to me musically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard for me to latch on to them musically, like a lot of other emo bands. But I think, again, like, it's still well worth listening to at least a few times. Um because I think a lot of the feelings and thoughts in here are very mm-hmm. poignant and very, like, relatable to 20-somethings, especially. Um, and just, right, so, like, relationships that are not going well. So, I would say definitely an album worth listening to, even though um, it's kind of was maybe reviled when it came out a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, kind of people were disappointed or upset or whatever. Um, but try not to think about that, because it's a, it's a good album. Like, it's a very yeah. good album. Just because oh, yeah. it has better production values or his voice changed doesn't mean it's not worth listening mm-hmm. to. Because it definitely is. So. Wow. You know, before we wrap up, can I add one thing? Now, yeah. it just popped in my head that, it, you know, it seems so much like this album is talking about a romantic interest and the, uh, the, the hatred you have towards that person, either for not loving you, for taking their revenge on you. He could have, I think, I don't know when Blake specifically wrote the lyrics in relation to when mm-hmm. they recorded it, but I know that they... Uh, as the Wikipedia page that we have pulled up says, um, that they were basically on the, and they have been on the verge of of breaking up for a while because mm-hmm. there were a lot mm-hmm. of tensions within the band. They didn't like yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, and I and I know that when they were recording this album, that uh, like basically like halfway through the, uh, I, I know at least the bass player like kind of just peaced out and left the studio and um, just went home and just he- uh, hung out and Blake stayed and finished the entire album. So maybe a lot of this antagonism is directed towards his other band members, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. especially at this time when he was like, it's basically like, it's basically like this album was the band's last breath. 
you know, like yeah. before really they yeah. just succumbed to the right. death that all bands do. But yep, and then um, yeah, and then he just, just thought about, and that then one. he created Jets to Brazil, which is another good off, mm. good, good band, awesome um, band, yeah, awesome band. But yeah, no, I agree. I think so. I think what's cool about this album too is like yeah, like it's called Dear You, and that you is unspecified, so it can be kind of to anybody, mm-hmm. to anyone who's disappointed you or who you have complicated feelings towards, or right, like a band, a society, a person, like whatever. So I think that's a good point too. Yeah. Um, could be to whom, whomever. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Really good one. But, um, and then I guess I'll put, you know, if you've been this far into the podcast, then you'll put up with one more plug yeah. that, um, you can definitely check out Save Your Generation Records. Mm-hmm. I know Tony put out a great compilation that I may or may not be on, but uh, together with many other, um, great bands. Uh, what's the score? Um, I was literally searching for the name as I was explaining it. Uh, but I, luckily, I, I remembered it. And um, it's a really, really good compilation. A lot of great bands um, put together a bunch of Drawbreaker covers. So, And it definitely isn't only Dear You, it's all the albums. So, um, Certainly. Uh, hey, we're just having a lot of fun. And stuff. So they're sticking. The kids love it. They're sticking around. They're wow, here. Wow, maybe. And we love you, too. Oh, okay, yeah. So Little American Champs' band... I already forgot the name of that fucking cover. Uh, what's the score? What's, what's the score? score? What's, what's the score? score? Okay, yeah, check that out. Um, and I still don't know how to end these, so I forced my guests to um, to end it for me. So say something to end this. Oh, this is okay. Too long. Um, this is is this the longest one that you've done, or no. one of the? Oh, okay. It's the second longest. Oh, okay. This is the second longest one you've done. You're the second best listener we've ever had, and uh, we <laughs> really appreciate the participation. Uh, it's been lovely. Thank and, you. I appreciate Alex for doing this. Um, and I appreciate Jamie for uh, having me on. Thank you so much, Jamie. <laughs> I love you to death. And uh, I love you so much. It's killing us both. Yeah, I know. I, that's literally <laughs> how I feel about our relationship, like every day. So. Um, but, uh, thank you for, uh, letting me do this. I had a great time. Okay, we're gonna end it now. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. So color me obvious. I just wanna be happy half the time. And blue, only when I have the time.